diaspora. But I'ma keep it low key like a real G. Ladies and gents, TBC. TBC. Talking about who knows what and who gives a fuck. Hello, all you crazy cats and kittens out there in pod person land. This is uh, your host, Sean Faw. And joining us, as always, is Eric, the Wheelman Wheeler. Oh. I like... <clears throat> waiting for the crowd to settle down. <laughs> I like whatever that first ping was. Sound like sonar. That's my fingers being too fat and hitting the, act- the uh, sensor button. <laughs> oh. What is that, like a high G sharp? Uh, it's supposed to be a one kilohertz, but uh, I think I have the pitch turned up to the wrong place. D sprawls, all is forgiven. Tell me what note that is. <laughs> I don't think that's redeemed. Well, I think, doesn't everything technically, couldn't you assign a note to most things at any frequency? Um, I don't know about notes. I only know about frequencies. I'm not a musician. I'm an audio guy. It's a little different. Right, there's no overlap there. Well, you know, I mean, most audio guys are musicians. I'm just a failed cinematographer, so, you know, I had to go somewhere. Um, have you ever had any ambition to record music as an audio fella? I have recorded music in the capacity of a live video, but um, not as far as, like, engineering. Not in the studio? Yeah, it's just, um, I don't, it's, I... I don't care about music. Uh-huh. Um, I don't. Nor care. should you. Well, no. I it's mean, on, it's only the expression of our deepest, truest self. I, I certainly understand that. That's what people say, <laughs> <laughs> but I've just never had that connection with music that uh, some people seem to. You know, I I've tried. I love to, that. I've tried to play a couple instruments in my life, and it just kind of like seemed like something I should do. But I no, just, I love I, that you don't I care. Don't care enough, man. Yeah. Like, it, um, you know, I you know, the music I like is you know, story songs or comedy. Like I, I don't listen for, you know, the craftsmanship of a guitar player or something like that. Well, I've noticed in my life, especially as I get older, that I, the like what I do in my free time and what I do for quote entertainment, et cetera, is very different from most people because mm-hmm. I sort of have this kind of psychotic detachment from it mm-hmm. where I sort of go like, oh, this is interesting. Like, okay, let's say, for example, I was reading this Brian Eno book. So I'm like, okay, Brian Eno produced this Devo album and these Talking Heads album and this, you know, African uh, tribal drumming album. So I make a list. I go, I will listen to these things. And I'm just like, okay, I have time and this is next on the list. So I'll (laughs) listen to it. And I sometimes I yourself homework. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And sometimes I really enjoy it. And sometimes I don't like it at all. Mm. But I sit there somewhat dispassionately Going through it, like, yeah, like homework would be the best description, but I like that. And I feel like there's some part of me that needs to be productive in that way and to be like, well, I didn't like this two hour Burundi drum (laughs) album, but I've heard it Hmm. and I can tell people why I don't like it. And that's important. (laughs) Kind of feels like uh, my relationship with The Walking Dead. Um, oh, see, I, I don't get that shit at all. Yeah, I, I feel compelled to watch it more than I actually enjoy watching it. But do you feel compelled because you want to be part of the conversation? Or is I it don't just talk to anyone you? but you, man. <laughs> we yeah. never talk about Walking Dead. So. No, and we won't start now. <laughs> no. But um, no, I think, it's, I think it's like I want to like the show. Like the, the first episode was really decent and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, TV, look, TV fans... 
and horror movie fans are yeah. the weirdest people in the world because <laughs> you show them one thing they like yep. and they will spend the rest of their life literally mm-hmm. spending money and time watching this thing that they objectively hate yeah. because there was one moment where they liked a thing about it. Yeah. It, like for me, The Walking Dead, the whole second season, like I just could, couldn't could stand, you know, but I kept doing that's it. That's bananas to yeah, me. Yeah, dude. I, keep showing up. I don't understand it either, but... And I feel like that's way too personal whenever people recommend TV shows like, oh, you should watch this show. I'm like, hold on a second. Like, you don't really know me, and that's yeah. like 60 hours. Yeah. Like, what you're telling me is basically like an internment camp. Well, it's like recommending a podcast. Like, we both listen to podcasts, but we have very little overlap in what we <laughs> consume. There is a very specific, non-jokey reason this podcast is 10 minutes long. Because <laughs> I can, it's like every episode is like a sampler, like a Whitman sampler. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, that's a better metaphor. It's a Whitman sampler. Hmm. You're not getting a lot of nutrition, but, you know, <laughs> maybe it will spark your interest to go eat a dinner. Or maybe maybe you'll try, like, a good chocolate from somewhere else that's not fucking, you know, upstate New York or wherever Whitman's comes from yeah um maybe you you don't have to listen to cereal guys maybe something we say a syllable or a cadence or a joke (laughs) will lead you to have a worthwhile thought somewhere else indeed that's um again productivity (laughs) yeah in some sort of weird abstract meandering way Mm -hmm. um yeah putting your thoughts into the universe i think is a worthwhile thing even if only 20 people are listening oh even if it's just me and you i I like having a record of what I thought on some random Wednesday totally. in North Hollywood in 2016, uh, because you know it's hard to make feature films. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to write novels. It's hard to write symphonies. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very low on the creative totem pole. Mm. But it feels good to have something out there, some record of I existed and I made this joke about you know The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you can, uh, uh, what is that? Twitter us now at, uh, text before calling or at text. Before- yeah. That's, How does I Twitter don't, work? I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's the uh, handle actually. I think it, it's at TBC four or something. No, it's, it? it's text B, the letter B. Why the did number you do f- this? Because it wouldn't, first off it, text before calling all spelled out is too long for a Twitter handle apparently. Uh-huh. And so that was just kind of the closest I couldn't show, get TBC, but yeah. show so short <laughs> handle so long exactly. TBC. So anytime you try and contact us, our name is the entire Speaking of my legacy, here's how fucking stupid I am sometimes. One of my buddies will text me and be like, hey, just caught up on TB4C, loved Sanj, whatever. And I'm like, TB4C? What is he talking about? I'm like, oh, text before calling. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Daniel Borders Ash, confounding me. (laughs) It's that that hacker speak. Speaking of not watching television shows, I just finished the entire run of Battlestar Galactica. The reboot, not the original. Ah, yeah. I, I actually kind of expected you to say the original, <laughs> possibly just because I've seen it on Netflix, but I can't watch it. Uh, your thoughts? Um, everyone. So I went online after I watched the finale, which you should never do for anything. Just don't go online, kids, ever. Well, yeah, after you watch it, but yeah. But anyway, people apparently, can you believe sci-fi fans, fucking hated this ending. And there are certain I heard, rational points. Like, I remember hearing that, but I don't remember why. Well, part of it boils down to like this procreationism, anti-science zealotry that does kind of oddly peek through the end. But that's like a political thing. I don't care. It's your show. Like, put whatever message out there you want. The things I liked and the things I disliked about it were baked into the series from episode one. Mm. You know, when Jar Jar showed up on New Caprica, <laughs> like from the or Caprica, the original, 
Um, you know, everything that was in the miniseries, I felt like paid off and didn't pay off, but was still there representative in the final episode. The miniseries, you mean the... Because it started off as like a four episode miniseries and then went to series. Oh, really? I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch it until it was done. Um, the, the problem I had with the last few seasons is the first half of the show is very character based hmm. and it's all about sort of like the Cylons are the bad guys, but that's just sort of an excuse for set pieces. The real drama is, you know, the internal... Uh, dynamic and mm. you know military versus civilians and survival versus democracy and those ideas and that's really interesting and then the last season is basically all here are big mysteries oh, yeah. and the end of it's like but you'll never know is it wasn't that like lost kind of effect yeah coming it, in? and from what i read it was a similar approach of like the writers just sort of making up stuff they thought was cool and yeah. you know more power to them like it's not real you can do whatever you want yeah but you can't be surprised when people feel burned when you're like what is this character's origin? Where did she come from? What's her destiny? And then literally, poof, she's gone. Yeah. Disappears. Yeah. Like one of the main characters, just someone's talking to her, turns around, she's gone. Like this is <laughs> maybe the fourth biggest character in the series. That's her exit. Right on. That sounds vaguely familiar. It's been a little while, but I do remember it having that sort of like big promises, but it seemed like they had no idea from the beginning. Right. Like, I, I yeah, I think that's kind of why the... Um, the series that start from books have just a little bit more uh, depth to them just because they, you know, they actually have a place that they have to go to rather than setting right. a bunch of bunch of crap and I mean, trying the, to figure out how to tie up their own loose ends. Right. The themes and the characters and all that, they're still cool. They're still resonant, as film Twitter would say. Um, resonant evil. <laughs> resonant <laughs> evil retribution. Um, those movies are great, by the way. I don't watch those. The the three that I've seen of the seven are fantastic. They is should there be really in, that many. They should be in the Museum of Modern Art. I think some <laughs> of them are probably. Um, I think there are like seven or six. Hmm. It's a franchise that won't die. Get it? It's about zombies. Uh, uh, sidebar. What was the last good? What was the last good uh, audio joke? Would you say? I think that was it. Just hit another key. Sorry. Just hit. Just do it. What do you care? I don't. I like. I like. And apparently, my girlfriend Samantha. <laughs> Hi, Sam. We mentioned your name. Don't turn it off. Hey. Uh, she prefers a show when it's more nihilistic. She listened. She was telling me last night. She said, "I think the show's gotten bad." Hmm. I said, "You're right, but why?" <laughs> and she said, "I don't know. It's just better in the summer." And this ties into an earlier point she made, where she was like, "Oh, you were you were funnier before we started dating." I'm, I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course. People who are like yeah. depressed or upset or whatever, who have like an edge to them, hmm. are funny, are more interesting. People who are happy aren't interesting." Yeah, pretty much. It's like the the John Cleese thing where he went to therapy and was a happier person and admitted, like, "I'm not." half the comedian I used to be, but <laughs> as a person, as a human being, I would rather be happy than be funny. Yeah. Especially if you've already got the money from being funny. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. That's the timeline. Um, is it, that's that, but that's also like the trajectory of almost all comedians, unfortunately. Um, sure. Pretty much everyone just gets lame when they get older, which but I think it, is why Steve Martin just plays the, guitar, uh, the banjo now. But I mean, how far can you chase nihilism? Because... Uh, Essentially, it's just a pose. Like, either you will kill yourself or you'll move on and, you know, watch TV and go to bed at 10 o'clock. Like, you can only pursue that sort of genuine darkness, I think, so much of being like, things suck, everything's terrible, but I'm going to do a podcast every, mm. you know, twice a week or whatever. Like, it, there's a certain inconsistency or inauthenticity to being like, I am 
uh, fed up with this world. I, I choose not to be part of human civilization. But, you know, I pay my taxes. I fill up my car. I go to the grocery store. So you're calling me a hypocrite, sir? No, I'm calling myself a hypocrite. <laughs> and you too. Um, no, and it's funny to listen to. And, you know, I, <laughs> I do believe a lot of that stuff. I mean, life ultimately is meaningless. Yeah, yeah. Like, the reason you do a podcast is in this very vain, impotent fight against meaninglessness and erasure, which will happen regardless. Like, Wow, you, you're reading way more into this than I am. <laughs> I just kind of wanted to play with some toys. No, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> no matter who it is, you know, um, Genghis Khan will Gingis. be— Gingis. <laughs> Gingis Cohen will be forgotten when the, you know— The Jewish fella? Some, when the sun subsumes the earth in four billion years. Everything ends. I mean, he's— Basically forgotten now, thanks to the American education system. But uh, Genghis Cohen? Yeah. No, he lives on in West Hollywood. Oh, gotcha. Um, Genghis Khan, you mean? <laughs> yes, yes. The the Gingis. Don't no. fuck with the Gingis. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Now I'm just thinking about Genghis Khan as a registered sex offender, <laughs> going across all of Asia Minor, Jeez. knocking on doors. Uh, yes, I just moved into the neighborhood. I had to inform you I've raped 10,000 women. Oh, um. what was that movie where someone has like, oh, the Vince Vaughn movie where he has like a million kids or something? No idea. There's some Vince Vaughn movie from like uh, last year, I want to say, totally forgotten, hmm. where he like was a sperm donor and turns out he has like 20 kids. I want to see that movie with Genghis Khan, <laughs> like a Bill and Ted crossed with Vince Vaughn comedy where he comes back and has to hang out with all his kids. Isn't it like 90% of Asia that like stems from him or something in some way, shape or form? I think they can trace it back to him or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that dude really cut a path through history, huh? hi not really a pun. No, not really. I guess the way I said the way I said it kind of made it sound like a pun. I had the cadence of a pun, but not the content. Yeah, it, it felt like a joke, so I felt like I should. Isn't it funny how people respond to structure more yeah, than they yeah. respond to content? Very much so. Uh, that is like a a staple of stand up comedy, essentially. Like, right. As they you know tell people when they're first starting out that even if you're not confident in your joke, just sell it. And well, yeah. We'll it, copy this formula, too. Like, there exactly. is a cadence, like, blah, 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 womp, womp, and people are like, oh, blah. Yeah. And that's, unfortunately, why so many stand-up comedy comedians staring out, especially, uh, end up falling into the trap of, like, basically mimicking their favorite stand-up. So, who, right. you know, there's, you know, all the Mitch Hedberg clones and all the uh, Stephen Wright people and the, you know. The, <laughs> Stephen Wright's an awfully specific act to imitate. Um, just that sort of one-liner, right. you know. Uh, Mitch Hedberg style. Yeah. Um, Jake Johansson kind of uh, uh, comes to mind as a uh, Stephen Wright sort of. Is fella. he a comedian? He, well. I thought he was just an actor. Or is he one Jake of those Johansson? guys. Johansson? No. Oh, I'm thinking of Jake Johnson, the guy on New Girl, the oh, Zoe no, Deschanel show. Yeah, oh. I don't think so. Um, no, he was uh, a, like an 80s stand-up. I just, he, oh. I, he just happened to be on a comic relief scene. We're, so. we're on different wavelengths here. Oh, we're in different decades, man. I feel like that's Decades. a uh, not to make a, a cliched uh, insight here or non-insight, but I feel like that is such a uh, Los Angeles specific phenomenon of the person who's not a, not really interested in comedy, but is funny and charismatic and smart and uses it as a springboard to be an actor. Oh yeah, and yeah. then completely just abandons it totally altogether. And I get it. I'm like, hey man, whatever you can do to get ahead. Yeah. Like if you're a sexy woman, play it up. If you're a dude that can sell jokes on stage, play it up. Certainly, yeah. I mean, it, you know, is... You don't have to, like, worship at the altar of comedy to go through that path, I think. 
No, and you don't have to worship comedy to be a, um, a respectable comedian. Sure. I mean, just like you don't have to be a uh, uh, a worshiper of music history to be a decent musician, you know? No. You don't have to know anything about film history in order to be, make a decent movie. It's just, you know, different different parts of the same thing you know it, it, to me it's like uh, if you spend too much time thinking about how movies are made or thinking about the history of cinema you end up becoming a critic rather than actually making right things. so i assume it's the same for music or i anything feel else. like maybe i just have a smaller sample size but i feel like comedians especially tend to be that sort of hype like the successful career-long comedians tend to be those hyper-focused, obsessive comedy dorks who read every, you know, Woody Allen novel and every Steve Martin bit, and they owned the Albert Brooks vinyl, and or maybe that's just a story that they play up. But it seems like those guys are especially focused, and the people who aren't as interested sort of move into film or television. Hmm. I don't know. I, th- I think, you that, think that's unfair? Yeah, I think that might be the comedians you gravitate towards. That's probably be- accurate. Because I, th- I I feel like there are a lot of comedians that are in their own bubble, and that's, you know, kind of what makes them them. Like, you know, uh, well, certainly not a uh, a current example, but Emo Phillips jumps to mind is, you know. This I, is the progenitor <laughs> of the emo music genre? <laughs> certainly, yeah. <laughs> Was he in Switchfoot? Was he the bassist in Switchfoot? Uh, I, you've seen UHF, I assume? Uh, yes. Yes. A childhood favorite. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that cuts his thumb off. Oh. I think it's on the floor somewhere. Is Oingo Boingo in UHF, or am I making that up? Um, <laughs> That is probably the only movie from that time period that Oingo Boingo <laughs> is not in. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo were in there. Oh, I have a... Uh, it, 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 Ah, oh, that is one of the few mu- musicians I do have a uh, an affinity for. Uh, you know who else I feel like you'd really like is Devo. Um, I'm aware of Whippet, but that's about you, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I have I don't really do a whole lot of uh, diving into the the music and history of music and whatnot. Well, again, to go back to this uh, this very dense tome that I read, the Brian Eno book. Mm-hmm. There's a to me, extremely entertaining passage where he's talking about producing this Devo album. And I, I mean, you've heard their song kind of like spastic, pop, punk, yeah, yeah. new wave-ish music. Um, and he was renowned for going in the studio and sort of shaking things up and giving people these bizarre suggestions, like not letting the guitarists hear the backing tracks and just telling them to play along. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there to sort of um, uh, instigate the creative process when people hit a wall. He was a puppet master. Basically, he was, and he built himself as just a conceptualist. Right like the first decade of his career, he said, I'm a non-musician. I don't know anything about music. I just have these big ideas, like mm. capital B, capital I, big <laughs> ideas. Um, so Eno uh, went to the studio with Devo, who were like really excited to work with him. And he was doing his typical Eno shtick. And they were like, no. <laughs> and they <laughs> just copied their demos that they record in like Akron, Ohio, mm. note for note. And um, appropriately, were extremely stiff and unyielding and just wouldn't listen to him. Hmm. And they say years later, Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh, who became a film composer and went on, uh, he's like, yeah, I kind of wish we would have been a little <laughs> more relaxed in the studio. Huh. But, but I was thinking about it. I was like, well, of course, you're Devo. Like, listen to them. They, yeah. they sound like the most rigid human beings imaginable. Yeah, they a are. A bunch of white nerds from uh, Ohio. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that was that was the shtick, wasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. that was the whole concept. But was he trying to change that as a concept? I mean, was it like? I think he was just trying to encourage some form, some sort of new idea or spontaneity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, no, <laughs> we found something that worked. Right. Were they already um, successful? At that they point? were hotly tipped, as they say. 
So basically, they had a lot of like industry interest, and people were like, oh, this band's going to blow up. And I think they were just nervous and didn't want to fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, certainly respectable, or at least... Uh, I don't know if it's... Re- it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be the the logical course of action, especially in a, um, a fickle industry such as the music industry is. Um, you know, it seems that the people that... Everyone just wants you to redo what you've already done. So when bands, like, reinvent themselves, everyone freaks out. Like uh, uh, Weezer, famously, with Pinkerton. You know, they they had this uh, sort of bubblegum pop album, and then they came out with Pinkerton, which was, like, com- in a completely different way, and, you know, no one wanted to follow along with that. Yeah, but because of the garbage society we live in... Um now everyone says, oh, Pinkerton was great, yeah, and yeah. why don't they do that anymore? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, what happened? They went wrong after Pinkerton, after we rejected them, and it, yeah. you know the sales plummeted. and Guy everyone... almost, almost kills himself, and then 20 years later, right. everyone's Why like, aren't oh. you do, doing more of that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 